Shepherds of Men is a secular movement started by three men of faith. We wholeheartedly believe that when we get the men right, we get the world right. We believe this because we believe that men are created and called to be leaders, and we believe there is an alarming deficit of leadership in our world today. And although the three of us have come from drastically different backgrounds, our core principles have given us a unified voice that is needed now more than ever to pave the way for a fundamental change in our culture. We are quite literally calling men to something great. Welcome to the movement. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Mr. Larry Hagler, CEO and founder of the Dad Edge. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. And hey, that uh, it's good to be on here. It, that's not the first time somebody's butchered my name. Uh, it's it's actually uh, Hagler. Like you're probably thinking of Marvelous Marvelin Hagler. Right? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That's all <laughs> we're right. like 0 for four in the last four episodes. I'm not Dude, even that's kidding. Okay. You. Like this is like a trend with us. Hey, listen, you you didn't do what I did. And I did this, I think it was God. I'll never forget it, man. It was, uh, I think it was like episode 17. I mean, like I'm almost at a thousand episodes, but I had, I had Justin Warsham on the podcast and he's like uh, he's a big time comedian. And he was like one of our first, like kind of like really big guests in the limelight. But if you look at his, the way his spelling of his, of his last name, and I didn't know much about Justin, I just know we booked him and I didn't have a whole lot of time to really, I just knew he was a comedian. He was a dad and that kind of thing. But if you look at the spelling of his name, it looked like Horseham. And that's the way I introduced him. And he's like, and, and like he was quiet during the intro because at that point in time, I was doing intros during the show. And he just started laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? And he just, and then he's an improv comic. Yeah. And he just started railing. He's like, Justin Horseham, if your whore needs a ham at turkey time, like it just, he just went off the rails. It was so funny. He's like, dude, it's Warsham. It's Warsham, not Horseham, and it's just it was hilarious. makes total sense, like, yeah. dude. I am so sorry. I I swear to you, it's okay. And yours is easy, but I I swear I, I had it just spelled wrong. I honestly just had it spelled wrong. And I've I've been following your stuff for at least a year and a half now. Um, so my apologies. My last name is Brown. Feel free to say that however you see fit. <laughs> <laughs> my mind went straight to Mister Dumas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mister Dumbass. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Shawshank Redemption shout out right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. man. Or, or real quick, the other one that I get to all the time, if you guys grew up in the 80s, was you know the TV show Dallas, which JR oh, yeah. doing was Larry Hagman. So I can't even tell you how many times it's been Larry Hagman and not Larry Hagner. So like, I didn't butcher don't feel that bad. Man, so. It happens all the time. Here's a, here's a little Hagner right here. What's up, buddy? Yeah. This is my eight-year-old. Uh, this is Lawson. We're actually nice. heading to the we're heading to the Smoky Mountains today after this podcast. Oh, dude, you're coming to my neck of the woods. Yeah, our stomping grounds. Oh no way, really? I'm in Nashville. He's yeah. in Chattanooga. I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, That's so crazy. I'm actually so we're our, we're stopping in Nashville tonight. Nice. Um, to uh, we should have just done out. this live, well, no. right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next time. Next time. That's awesome. You guys stay in uh, at a cabin or something for a little while. Yeah, so we've got a uh, we we got an Airbnb in the uh, in the Smoky Mountains. Um, a client of mine, a one on one client of mine. Um, he's a business owner and he owns a few Airbnbs. And we were just kind of chatting one day, and stop. <laughs> we were just kind of chatting one Yo, day. He's like, "We're loaded up, Dad. We're ready to go." Right. Um, 
so we uh he's one of my clients and he had a few airbnbs and i told him i was like yeah we're heading to smoky mountains at some point he's like dude he's like i got a cabin there i'm like what he's like yeah he's like i'll, I'll give you a deal on it man I'm like what date you want to go and so we we locked it in so it's pretty cool yeah we get a hot tub too there you go oh you can't go to a cabin in the smokies and not that have a hot way. tub especially in the summer <laughs> i know right Absolutely. they're so fun in the summer so you've got four boys right Last time I counted, anyway. Right, right. <laughs> Last time I counted. They keep sneaking in the house. <laughs> I know. There could be more. They just keep coming in, like an assembly line. If yours are like mine, they bring extras every now and then. I look around, and I'm like, how many people are we feeding around here? Oh, dude. It gets crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, like neighborhood kids and everything start yeah. hanging out. Like, I don't even know which ones are mine. <laughs> <laughs> Does it matter? Does it it really doesn't, really. It really <laughs> doesn't. It doesn't you know? matter. And it, it is kind of cool. I mean, you know, there's there's a part of me that's like, I've got three boys, um, no, and no girls. JP's got three boys and a baby girl. Um, so we got a lot of little dudes running around. Um, but we do have, so I've got like my, my youngest is four. Then I've got a six year old and a 16 year old, which is my stepson, but he's got a couple of little teenage buddies that are always here, you know? And there's times where it's like, you feel like, okay, I need a little, like some breathing room. Like when you get a couple of kids out of the house, but then my wife reminds me, like, you know, the, especially the one for sure, and then the second one a lot of times, too, is, like, they, they don't have dads, you know? Yeah, and right. one of them barely has a mom, really right. doesn't have a mom. She, he's here because he stays at his grandma's house. And it's like, you know, you think about it for a minute, like, dude, the least I can do is is trying to fill some kind of role there and give them a place to come hang out, you know, and, and feed them every now and then. <laughs> so it, uh, my wife has a way of straightening my perspective for sure. You know, what's so, so cool about that though. And I, and you know, we're talking about the topic of like fatherhood, marriage and all this other stuff too, but the, man, there's, there's something key about that. Um, my wife and I, we, you know, we, we live in the, one of our core values is environment and another one of our core values is deep human connection. So, um, you know, one of the things we've done is, is we bought the house that we live in right now, specifically for that reason. We're like, we want to create an environment where our kids want to bring their friends here and nowhere else. So, on any given weekend, I'm not even kidding. We easily will have sometimes 12 boys in our house. Like, and we're feeding, like we're, I mean, Domino's, I think knows us on a first name basis at this point. Right. But I think that that's really cool because like, I love the fact that my kids' friends tell my kids that they're like, man, I love being at your house. It's always so much fun. Like, it's always so easy. It's always so comfortable. That's like one of the biggest compliments that I could possibly ask for is that your house is the place where we land. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not overwhelming sometimes. And sometimes you're like, God bless. Sometimes I just want like our own people here, like our own family here. But I also love the fact because I know that these days are fleeting and you just got to embrace it. Right. And there's, there's, I think our kids, like they really appreciate hearing that from their friends, especially later on in life. Like, man, my house was the one where everybody landed at, you know, at the end of the day. Well, and then a, a bit of a selfish way for us, it's like, I, it's easier for me to know they're safe and yeah. kind of what they're doing, especially as they get older. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, I get that for sure. hundred uh, percent. Not always easy, but probably uh, better than the alternative. No doubt. So uh, JP, your house is like that too. Cause I know, you got, yeah. but yours are, are smaller. Like you got all the, the like two footers coming over to your house. Yeah, I got, I got, I got two that are in diapers right now. Uh, and then a six-year-old and a 13-year-old. So stay pretty productive in my house. Um, I, I told my wife, I said, I don't know if it's the kids or if it's just us, but I've never seen human beings produce trash at a rate oh, like dude. what we do. 
It's crazy, isn't it? It's it's one of the weirdest things. Like I, every single day, I pull a bag of trash out every single day, and I'm like, yeah. how does this happen? Domino's yeah. boxes alone, right? <laughs> 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 well, I was so I and I looked at that a little bit differently, like what you just said. Like, and both of you are right. You know, as far as you know, your kids being safe and your kids wanting to be at home, and the times are fleeting. You know, and enjoying those moments and stuff, but. You know, growing up and what's intriguing to me about about what you're doing, Larry, is I, I was I was that, you know, that that kid that grew up, you know, without a father in the household, like the, the single parent, you know, kind of household. And and I was the one that that went to other friends houses to kind of see what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of wanted to be at other people's houses because either their dads were funny or their dads were engaging or their their dads like you could see and feel the love from their dad that I didn't necessarily have. And I didn't even realize that I was doing it for reasons like that. Um, but for me, the way that I look at it now as an adult, you know, having kids is, you know, there are a lot of kids out there that are, that are looking for that. Um, I think the last statistic that I saw was some, you know, sickening thing, like 33% of households have kids being raised without their biological father being present, um, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, I look at it and say, well, any way that I can step up and I know Cam, we've had this conversation several times, there's kids in his neighborhood that don't have fathers or parents in general present uh, that it's just a, a duty right you know like as a man it's kind of a duty for him that's like you know I, and, and not in a just a purely like hey here's some snacks and stuff so that you don't die uh, but lessons in life you know things that these kids need to understand and need to learn early on to you know avoid some of these pitfalls so agreed man agreed and uh, so you have four as well I do Ooh. yes yeah I think people don't know what causes that, right? Yeah. We figured it out. We're done. We're done. Just making sure everybody's, you know, I'll tell you, going to the Smokies this weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's crazy though. Going to that third one uh, is really, really a big, big difference. Uh, it, it's, it's really big. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yep. Yeah. That's when you start playing zone defense and you, once you get outnumbered, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah. So, Larry, I want to ask you a few questions, um, especially for people that maybe not as familiar with your movement and what you've been doing. Um, I started digging into your stuff. We, we started Shepherds of Men um, probably two and a half years ago-ish, and I was very much personally off of social media for about a decade. Like, I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, I, I was very much okay with living in my own world and not worrying about everybody else's. Um, when we started this, uh, it was me and JP and two other friends, both named Chris. Uh, and it became very apparent. They were like, dude, you gotta, you, you gotta get on social media. I mean, it's kind of necessary if we're really going to reach people. I was like, all right. So I did that. And then obviously with, with our, our mission here, which is foraging influential men, um, I immediately wanted to be like, okay, I want to dig into as many other guys that are, uh, in this same space, you know, and, and you were one of the first that I found. Um, and I don't remember exactly how, but, um, just started digging into your content. Uh, I remember you put out, um, it's been a while back, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, at least you put out, uh, an email, um, thread with, uh, some marriage stuff. I don't know. You would know the name of it, but, um, some, some marriage tips and helpful things. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, I've, I've just, I've listened to a number of your podcasts. Uh, I've, I've watched a lot of the stuff you're doing on Instagram, I love what you're, what you're doing with your son or what you have done recently with the bodybuilding. Um, so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about why you started the dad edge, or I guess the good dad project as it was originally called. Um, 
and, and kind of what the mission is for that now? Yeah. You know, um, I'm so glad you asked because I actually have, um, we had a guy in our, in our data edge group on Facebook. We have about, I don't know, 20,000 guys or so in that group. And, um, we go through sometimes I would say very short seasons of guys who are very fiery. And I would say even like troll like behavior, you know, like, and we, we we're good at, at identifying those and removing those. Right. Um, but I had a guy who chimed in and, and put a post in our group. He's like, it's clear to me that I don't think dad edge has a vision or standards, <laughs> oh, which okay. it was so, and, and I'll, and let, let me give some context of why he said that. So we just went, as we're speaking right now, we just went through, um, I would say the past two weeks of like we had, and, and we've, we've, we've seen this before it's happened before. It just is what it is. People just, I, I don't know if they just get, so freaking bored with their own lives they have to go troll in and troll other people's groups and that kind of thing but what they what they do is and there's actually groups dedicated to this that they will actually go in and troll other groups and they'll put up crazy ass posts or they'll do something <laughs> that just wants to trigger and what they do is they actually go in and then they take screenshots of people commenting and flying off the rails and then they go post it in in their group and like, Hey, look what I'm doing here in dad edge. Look what I'm doing here. And dad's at lift. Look, it's, it's ridiculous. Like sometimes I'm just like, really, how do you have that much time? But, um, I'll share with you how dad edge got started, but first let me, let me just share the, the vision and the mission with you guys real quick. Um, here's the vision and mission. Millions of men, husbands, and fathers walk the earth with little to no direction on how to elevate their marriage connection with their kids or their business and health. Too many men are drifting and not living. Most men will take their best moments, their best ideas, their best intentions, their best connections with their family to their grave. And the dad edge is here to change all of that. Our community of men helps help, help men create an extraordinary marriage. We help men with direction to cultivate a connection with their wives that is second to none. We help men establish boundaries for self-care. We help men create roles and partnerships within their marriage. We help men redefine what it means to be a meaning, to have meaningful friendship with their wives. We help men elevate passion and frequency and intimacy of sex. And at the end of our lives, men will, will not die with any regret. They will smile and know that their marriage was on point and in line with their vision and everything that they possibly wanted. We also help men create connection with their kids. We teach high quality connection by cultivating an environment of psychological safety. Men will achieve a lasting connection with their kids and memories will be created that will be so impactful for him and his kids that they will never forget it. He and his kids will be on their deathbed reflecting upon the amazing connection that their dad made. Men will elevate their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Men will have a place to unpack life's challenges and obstacles, and they will stay in the valleys of life for a short period of time and be lifted out of the seasons of hell through the support of this group. Men and Dad Edge Alliance are creators of leaders of men, leaders of families, and leaders of communities. We will change the divorce rate from 50% to 40% over the next 10 years. We will save families that otherwise would have no hope. We will not only impact the generation of fathers, but the next generation as well. The kids that we are raising will have better chances and odds stacked in their favor because of the amazing example their fathers emulated for them. We are here to change the world. We are here to change relationships. We are here to positively disrupt this generation of fathers so no man has to go to their grave with regret. We disrupt the drift of busyness and replace it with razor, saw, razor 
focused intention, passion, purpose, and direction. We are Dad Edge, and we're here to change the game. That's our vision. Dude, I love it. I got goosebumps. And I'll tell you something that, and this may be, sound weird to some, but the thing that stood out to me, you know, anybody can write some stuff down and say it and get all hyped and make it sound cool. Um, but something that was very telling to me as you were going through that, as you said, we'll change the divorce rate from 50% to 40%. If you were all hype, you would have said like 20% or 10% or something like that, because it's not realistic. But in the next 10 years, I, I, I know how serious you are about actually accomplishing that goal because you put a realistic, something that'll be a stretch, but it's attainable. So that's awesome, man. That, that's, uh, I think our mission statement's like a sentence. So maybe we got to up our game a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, if I, you know, I actually wrote that, um, I hired a business coach about two years ago and I had kind of a mission and vision that I, that I formulated and he instructed me, he's like, you got to get deeper with this one. He's like, cause I know he's, he's known me for a long time. He's like, I know data edge. And he's like, and this is a surface level vision. He's like, you got to get like, I, I want to hear your heart and soul and everything that you got behind this mission. What do you got? And he said the same thing. And you have to make it realistic. And you're right. Like, I mean, for me, like if we could actually decrease the divorce rate by 3%, to me, that's a win. My, the big audacious goal is 10, right? But um, going back to your question, how did Dad Edge get started? Um, I mean, if I'm being real, it probably started way in my childhood. I mean, I had a crazy, crazy upbringing. My mom and biological father were married in 1971. I was born in 75. After I was about nine months old, my dad left. They got divorced. My mom and him were like kids when they got married. Um, and he was only 25 years old when I was born. And after I was born, he left. Uh, my mom and his divorce was really bitter. So I think that he thought at the time that was probably the best possible thing to do. Um, you know, when I was four, up until that point, I'd only been raised by my mom, but I knew what a dad was. Uh, I went to preschool. I remember dads coming and picking up their kids from school. So I knew what a dad was. I saw dads all the time. I just knew we didn't have one. Didn't have any pity on myself or anything like that. At, at that four years old, what I thought, right, before birds and the bees, was moms go out and they find dads. Like kids magically appear and they go out and find dads. My mom hadn't found my dad yet. So the very first time my mom ever brought home a guy was when I was four. And she'd been dating this guy from work. He was a data software engineer, white collar guy, wore a suit to work every day. And my mom told me, she's like, hey, I want to invite a friend of mine over for dinner and I want you to meet him. So I'd never seen a male figure ever walk into my house. And in my mind, the thing, the first thing that clicked was, could this guy be my dad? Did she find my dad? And so this guy comes over to my house, I'm four years old, and I'll never forget, it's the first time a male presence ever came into my house. And he was in a suit, three-piece suits, 1979. He's got the double Windsor tie, he's got the feathered hair, the mustache, he's got the briefcase, walks in, shakes my hand, and the first thing I asked him was, are you going to be my dad? That is the first question that spewed out of my mouth. Pressure, bro. And, yeah, <laughs> just I think this guy probably went to leave at first, but they did get married. And they stayed together till I was 10. And what I can tell you without going into a ton of detail, it was an absolute shit show for the most part. I think what my mom did was, and, and, you know, God bless her for having the best of intentions, but I think she took that as like, man, I really do need to complete this family. And I don't know if I love this guy, but he seems good enough. Maybe I'll just go ahead and marry him, right? My kid seems to like him. And their relationship just deteriorated year after year. Um, 
to the point where he drank so much. My mom drank so much. They fought physically, mentally, emotionally. I was beaten, strangled, dragged, punched, thrown down, all kinds of crazy crap. He left and they got divorced when I was 10. Haven't seen him since. I found out about seven years ago he died. And um, so at that point in my life, I started asking a lot of questions like, wait a second. I remember this guy coming into my life when I was four. Where the hell did I come from? So I asked my mom and I'm like, hey, where did that come from? Like, obviously I wasn't his. And she's like, well, I was actually married before. I had no idea. She showed me the wedding album. I was like, oh my God. So I knew his name and had no clue else, anything else. Well, when I was 12, I accidentally ran into him. And, I, and just for the sake of the time crunch that we're on, I won't go into how, but we, we, we met. And that relationship, he was remarried at the time, two-year-old son, another one on the way. And our relationship lasted six months. And I was so overjoyed that my dad had come back into my life. I immediately started calling him dad. He came to my little league games. I saw him every week for like five straight months. And I thought life was freaking awesome. He only lived two miles from us. So that was kind of cool. And I noticed something changing with my dad over time where he just felt stressed and overwhelmed. And I finally picked up the phone one day at 12 years old. And I'm like, hey, man, like, I, what's going on? Like, is everything okay? Like, I just feel like something's off. And he basically said, it's me. It's not you. This is a bad time. We need to go our separate ways. And that killed me. And so my dad left twice. And I gave up on school. I overate, became a fat kid, failed the eighth grade, was bullied and picked on and all that other good stuff, but just like literally just gave up. Did eighth grade over again, went on to high school, college. My mom continued to date, you know, several disastrous men. All of them had alcohol issues. All of them had partying issues. All of them were abusive. My mom was married a total three times by the time I was 18. Now I'll finish the story here. When I was 30, two things happened. I had already went through high school, graduated college, went on to a successful career in medical and pharmaceutical sales. I had a standing meeting with my sales team every Monday at a Starbucks here in St. Louis. 30 years old, married, first kid on the way. Um, sitting there having my meeting and look up and look over and noticed uh, someone had came in to get their morning coffee and who was it but my father. The one I hadn't seen since I was 12. And one of the women that I was with on my sales team noticed that I seemed really preoccupied. And she's like, are you still here? You just seem like you're off in La La Land. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was like, my dad just walked in and he's right over there. And sorry, I'm just having a hard time focusing right now. And she's like, hey, wait, wait time out. What? And I told her, she's like, wait, you haven't seen that guy since you were 12? I was like, yeah. And she's like, what are you going to, what are you going to say to him? I was like, nothing. I'm 30. Like I'm a grown man. Uh, he didn't want to be a part of my life. Why would I go up to him without saying another word? She went up to him, sat down next to him, started talking to him. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? What was about ready to go down? I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I could read his lips. And I saw my dad say, where is he? And he looked around and our eyes met and I'm just like, oh my God, I haven't seen this guy in 18 years. What, what the hell is about ready to happen? Stands up, comes over, shakes my hand. He's like, you know, hey, you know, how are you? Like, how's your life? And I'm like, fine, how are you? Like, I wasn't nice, but I wasn't a total ass. I was kind of like right in the middle. That interaction led to now 17 years we've had a relationship. I have two younger half-brothers. He's still married to the same woman. I make my dad sound like a bum. He's not. He's actually an incredibly successful business owner. Um, raised two great young men. Um, 
Unfortunately, I wasn't a part of that. Um, but here's how Dad Edge gets started. My entire childhood was filled with chaos. And I, when I got married, I was like, I'm going to be married one time. And when I'm a dad, I'm going to freaking do this right. I'm not going to beat my kids. I'm not going to do this. 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 Well, having a laundry list of things that you know you're not going to do is not good enough. And I had to learn that the hard way. I don't know about you guys, but the last time I went to Lowe's and bought a barbecue pit and I opened up the manual on how to put the thing together, it didn't give me a hundred ways of what not to do. It gave me a direct direction, gave me exact directions on what to do. So Dad Edge got started out of a very dark moment. And that dark moment happened when my oldest at the time was six and my youngest was four. We didn't have the other two at the time. I had a really, I, I was in this mode of like my, my marriage wasn't that great. Um, it was mediocre at best. We weren't really communicating that well. We weren't really having passionate sex, intimacy, like connection. That really wasn't happening. I didn't have a whole lot of patience with my boys. I got all my validation in my work. I dove into a ton of work. And my really stupid, idiotic perception of, of fatherhood, I didn't know this then, but I know it now, is like being your dad is super important to me. And if I don't get too close, I can't screw it up too bad. Like that's really stupid. And that was my stupid perception. Like if I do fatherhood from a little bit of a distance, maybe I won't screw these kids up too bad because I feel really screwed up. So one day, my four-year-old, um, I had an incident with him. And this is where things got really dark. I had never put my hands on my kids in anger, ever. On the day that Dad Edge got started, I lost my biggest customer in medical device sales. And it, it, I knew it was going to impact my income for the next year. Um, I was scared I was going to lose my job. I had a whole lot of other pressures with my marriage and everything going on. And we were packing up, ready, getting ready to move packing up my kids playroom spent three hours packing up all their toys my four-year-old comes down who's 14 now he's the one I did the bodybuilding show with and I told him I was like I'm gonna take a break I was like I left some toys out for you dad's already packed up a bunch of your toys please don't get anything else out but you can play with these well I left for 30 minutes and came back and what do you think a four-year-old's gonna do he got out all kinds of stuff and out of a fit of rage I spanked him and some people are on board with spanking and some aren't. I'm not here to fight that fight, but I just didn't want to do it. And I certainly didn't want to do it out of anchor. Unfortunately, I hit him so hard that he lost his balance and he hit the ground. And that was the first time I struck my kid and I hit him so hard that I didn't realize what I was doing. And I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And immediately I knew. I was like, what, what in God's name just happened? So I went to help him pick him up and the kid freaking shuddered with his hands up like this, like, please don't hit me again. And dude, that was 10 years ago and I still have a hard time talking about it because I still see his face. And the, the monster that I always swore to protect my kids against was the guy that I became. And I knew in that moment, it, things had to change. And that's when I, that's when I was like, I'm done, done living this life. You know, and I, that, that night I created that edge and it wasn't out of like getting a following or a podcast. It was a Facebook page. And all I did was start a page. And I was like, I'm going to go out and learn something new every day about what it means to be a better father, a better husband, more patient, more communication, all this stuff. And I'm just going to post it right here just so I have a record of it. And that was the origin of that edge had no clue 10 years later, this is what it would be, but it wasn't always pretty, but that is the origin of it.
that's a pretty amazing story. Um, JP, I feel like maybe you have some things you want to comment on because I know you can probably relate to a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> very similar. My dad uh, kind of disappeared before I really knew who my dad was, um, you know, and not throwing mistakes or can, you know, um, uh, I guess for me kind of, I was, I was similar to like what you were talking about. Like I just chalked it up as I didn't have a dad. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't kind of tore up about it or whatever it may be. It was just never really knew, you know, my dad from the very beginning. Now I did not meet my dad again uh, until I was 34 wow. years old. Um, so, but you know, and, and part of it, you know, listening to your story, you know, having that trauma of dad coming back, getting the excitement, enjoyment out of it. And the, you know, the high from that, like, all right. And then disappearing again, uh, would have been, you know, pretty severely detrimental. Um, you know, I just kind of spent my entire life, um, you know, just kind of trying to accept the fact that, you know, my dad wasn't around I mean, he's around now. Um, you know, but I had a different relationship, you know, than, than, uh, you know, my dad obviously wanted to, you know, rekindle and, and was like, Hey, look, I love you. I've always loved you. I've always cared about you, blah, blah, blah. You know? And for me, and I, I believe that he, he meant it deep down in his heart. He just wasn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't know how to be responsible and stuff like that. Um, you know, early on in him and my mom, whatever the issue was there, I'm not going to go into detail with that, obviously, but, uh, I, I struggled to like, I, you know, call him dad, you know, do, do all those things. Cause I didn't have that um, you know, kind of connection. And, and what's cool about what you said that I would agree with hundred percent is I had the exact same epiphany whenever I got a little bit older is I, I will get married one time and I will be a present father, I, not a perfect father. I didn't use the P word perfect. I will be a present father and I will own up to my mistakes. Um, you know, and one of the biggest things that I wanted to do with my kids is, is let my kids understand that your father's a human, right? Like I, sometimes we, we miss the fact that our kids will put us up somewhat on a pedestal and look at us and go, Oh, you know, I could never be like them, especially when they're small, you know, they're like, Oh, he's, you know, he's big and strong and, and smart and this and that. And I can't even read and stuff. And sometimes they get overwhelmed with a lot of that stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to make sure that I did, and you said intentional, which is a very important word for Cam and I as well. Um, and we, we call it definite a purpose is what we like to, what we like to say, especially with what we do. Uh, but you know, one of those things where you get down on a knee and when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Like, even if it means they get in trouble, I discipline them for being in trouble and then come to find out maybe it was a misunderstanding on my part or something like that. The first thing I want to do is go apologize and say, you know what, daddy made a mistake. Daddy, daddy shouldn't have done that. I made a mistake, whatever it may be, uh, because I don't ever want my kids to feel, um, disconnected or abandoned, per se for me. And I think sometimes maybe I overcompensate for that because of the abandonment issues that I've had from the past, uh, you know, cause that stuff sticks with you. And what I realized just recently was I suppressed that so much that I convinced myself it wasn't a problem. And then when I started to realize that that trauma actually was a problem and I just wasn't facing it, I started to realize all the effects it was having on my life. Like my relationships with men, I, I struggle with relationships with men. Um, you know, and, and Cam can attest to this and everybody that's listening has probably heard this multiple times, but, you know, hugs, affection, things of that nature towards men and not in a homophobic kind of way. For me, it's like, I don't want to get close to guys because I feel like they're just going to leave. And it's a subconscious effect on my mind from abandonment issues in my past. Um, so it's really cool from an enlightenment standpoint to start to realize that because then you can fix it. Uh, but I want to make sure that my kids never feel that like daddy's got everything else that's way more important than me. 
because that's also a form of abandonment, right? Like I'm there, but I'm not present. Yeah. I would say that's, I would, first of all, thanks for sharing that, man. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure your audience got a ton of value just out of that alone. And you're right. Um, You know, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, we, we, we try to, we try to be the dad, especially if you come from that background, right? We try to be the dad that we didn't have, right? Because we know firsthand how freaking horrible that feels. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a wound and a pain that doesn't, that just aches. And, and to be quite honest, it like aches for a lifetime, right? And there's no, there's no remedy for that really. I mean, there is, you can go through, you can do the work and you can go to counseling, hire a coach, get through it. Right. And it's a good learning tool, but there's still that part of you that's wounded. And, but I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to be very aware of when you misstep as a father and then you own it. Like, I mean, dude, I've had to do that. Like, I I feel like sometimes I'm I'm the poster child of sometimes apologizing to my kids, you know, and, and because I do. And, but, but here's what the cool thing is, is I'm sure you've probably seen this in your 13 year old. I'm seeing this in my 16 and 14 year old is that when they do something wrong, they don't blame, they don't point the finger. They own everything to the point. Like my 14 year old just got caught. He he's never had a problem with grades ever. And he just got caught cheating in school. And I was blown away. They got caught cheating. I was like, cheating. I was like, why would you need to cheat? what happened was, is when he and I did this bodybuilding show, I pulled him out of school for three days and he fell insanely behind in his work and he was scrambling to get, to get his assignments done on time. So he went to a buddy and he's like, Hey man, like, can you help a brother out? Like, can you just, can I see your Chromebook? Let me just see the, the answers you got for these answers or the answers for these couple questions. I said, I need to get this in. And he got caught. And my son came to me just devastated in tears. He's like, I got to tell you something. And I got to tell you something that's hard for me to tell you. And I, and I, I feel like you're gonna be mad at me and in trouble and I, you're gonna be disappointed. And he told me exactly what happened. And he's like, and this was my fault. And when the teacher asked me about it, I told him this was me, this was my choice. And don't blame this other kid that I got the Chromebook from because I, I, I asked him for it. I begged him for it. He did it just out of obligation. And, but it was me, it was my fault. And he got detention and everything. I did not punish him. I was like, I'm not going to punish you. In fact, I applaud your courage for telling me. And there's some gems in everything that you did. You could have been like, oh, it was, it's, it's the teacher's fault. She didn't, she didn't communicate the deadline to me. She didn't send me the assignment, right? She knew I was going to be out of town. She didn't send me the assignment. Like, I didn't have enough time. It was time's fault, right? It was this fault, that fault. Nope. He's like, this is all me. So I think that there's, I think our kids learn a beautiful lesson in what you just talked about, which is ownership. Like if you can own as a dad, like you're the guy, right? You're the hero. And if you can own like, Hey, I made this mistake. Here's everything I did wrong. And here's what I'm gonna do to make it right. That is a beautiful freaking lesson. Lessons. The most powerful lessons are caught, not taught. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you're doing, guarantee you'll see that in your kids as well. If you haven't already. I, I love that we're talking about this, one of the ethos that we teach is integrity. Um, and I think oftentimes we don't um, really comprehend the full meaning of that word. I know probably a year or two ago, we had a guest on that helped us really focus more on structural integrity um, when we're looking at that word. But 
I just think about what your son did and I applaud you for not punishing him because that would have been the same call I would have made because I know for him to come to you in that manner humbly was way harder than any kind of punishment you could have ever put on him. Um, and it's true. Like you should be proud of him. Like you're not proud of the action, but you understand that he made a bad decision. So like, it's, it sounds maybe a little counterintuitive, but like true integrity doesn't mean you're flawless. It just means that when you make mistakes, you, you own up to them. You take extreme ownership as Jocko talks about. And, you know, dude, I, we've all been teenage boys, you know, and I know y'all had different experiences, you know, with your relationship with your fathers during that time, I was fortunate enough to have a great father. Um, I can tell you from experience when I messed up, to go tell my dad who I respected like immensely was one of the hardest things ever. Like, just like, it's that whole thing you hear about, like it's, it's worse for him to say I'm disappointed than to actually spank you, you know, because, because he means so much to you. So, and I have no doubt that um, you have earned that with your kids. So man, that's a, uh, that says a ton about him, but it says uh, even more about you as a father. So thanks man. Kudos brother. Y'all got yeah. me all choked up over here talking about all this. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, you, you have, you have an outstanding point, you know, with everything that you said there, because ultimately it's not like, obviously, the, and, and to Cam's point, the lesson, the lesson learned was the ability to confront um, the, the mistake and come out and be honest about the mistake. And, and the lesson learned there is far greater than the lesson that, that he would have learned if you would have punished him, right? Like you would have grounded him or taken something away or whatever it may be. Um, and that's one of the things that I talk to my kids about, not just my kids, but also other clients of ours, because, you know, we always get the, oh, well, you're Christians and stuff like that. You know, how can you do this or that or whatever? And, you know, and, and one of the things that, you know, as a human, you're, you're not going to be perfect and, and you never will be like, don't, don't expect to be perfect, but there's magic in being convicted. And, and the, the thing about it is when you screw up and you're convicted, that shows a level of integrity within you because you respect yourself enough to not allow that to be okay. Um, and then you can come, you know, you can, you can, you can be truthful about it. And, and I think conviction really starts to develop a certain level of, um, uh, of being, being genuinely who you are. When you start to really understand who you are and you've got your core principles and your character ethics, uh, where they need to be at and solidified, that conviction is stronger than ever. And that's how you don't keep repeating the same stupid things. But when you do mess up, you say, hey, that was on me. That was my fault. That was poor judgment on me. But because I'm owning it, I can fix it. Absolutely, man. That it couldn't, couldn't be more dead on. And I honestly think, man, if, if we could teach, even if it's just that one lesson in society, like right now, of, of the beautiful things that happen when you own even your, your biggest mistakes or even the smallest ones, think of how that one thing could make a shift in the world huge i mean that's we have a, a a true pandemic of an epidemic of people you know deflecting like i didn't do that or i did it because or whatever if it wasn't for this that wouldn't have happened with me and it's like and as, as long as you're, you're literally like sacrificing control of your life yeah like you're just handing it over to circumstance or whatever as opposed to owning it and the good and the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly own it all. Um, right. and chances are you'll probably stay on top of your game more. If you realize you got to own it all, yep. you know, 
Um, and as men, you know, we talk about this all the time, like men are created to lead. That's what we were created for, whether we want to or not. It may just be our wife. It may be our wife and kids. It may be our community. It may be a, a huge company, but, but we are created to lead. And, you know, Maxwell says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So if we're not willing to step into that role and, and be intentional about our personal daily habits and our personal extreme ownership, um, then we're failing and we're, and we're, we're, um, we're creating a gap in society and in our world because it's so important for us to feel that said one thing i did want to mention um about both of your stories that i think is really important for our listeners because i know there's dudes out there that can relate to what y'all have been through I, there's, there's too many there's far too many that can relate to that it's one of the reasons we're all here doing what we're doing right um it, it's it's important for them to hear what both of y'all have done and i and i can tell you for jp we're brothers. I mean, like I know this dude better than anybody except his wife. And I know what kind of father he is. I know what kind of husband he is. I know what kind of leader he is, what he does with his career. I know what he does with men reforged and shepherds of men. Like it would be hard to get any better. Um, I don't know Larry as closely, obviously, but I can, I've, I'm a good judge of character and I've seen what you've done with your, uh, with your movement, with the dad edge. And obviously you've got a passion and a, and a, a mission there. Um, so you've taken that. My point of all that is you've taken the things that were so hard and so difficult and so challenging and turned them into something that is so positive and that is changing lives by the thousands. So if you're a dude out there right now that is has gone through that stuff, don't let that define you. Don't let that be your identity. Like, let that be the thing that is the reverse of the charcoal grill at Lowe's that is staying here. There's a lot of things not to do. Now all I need to do is tie in with some guys that know what to do. And I can apply that to my own life and how I'm teaching my kids and leading my wife and all the other important roles that I play. I mean, it's, it, it really truly doesn't matter your circumstances. It just matters what you want to do with it. So thank you, well you guys said. for being great examples. It's huge. And now I'm sitting here looking at the clock going, I feel like we just started talking and unfortunately <laughs> we have to stop talking. So, um, maybe we can squeeze out another like two minutes. So uh, tell us like real quick, like what's on the horizon for the dad edge right now? So I would say the biggest thing on the horizon is I've got a book launch coming out on nice. September 6th. Um, it, I, I would definitely say it's my passion book. The one that if you were to encapsulate all the lessons that I've learned um, through dad edge, through our mastermind, through my own coaches, through, through almost a thousand podcast interviews from experts. Um, I've put all that knowledge together into a book and that's coming out on September 6th. And it's going to be called, uh, the pursuit of legendary fatherhood, uh, break old patterns, uh, create the marriage and the legacy that you truly want. That's, that's, a that's an area that we're, <clears throat> we're working on getting into right now as well and working on is kind of a weak word for that, but, uh, we're, that was pretty lame. yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna write a book, uh, as well. Uh, we've, we've heard that multiple times from multiple influencers, uh, that we've, we've spoke to. And, uh, I think it's kind of a God thing going, Hey, stupid, write a book, <laughs> write the I'm book, move, get boys. the book I'm wrote move. and stuff like that. So I think it's just, at first you look at it as kind of a daunting task and then, as you start to chip away at it, I would imagine it starts to to come, you know, through a little bit more. So I think that's that's pretty cool. When when did you say that you intend to release that? 
So it's coming out September 6th. Uh, that's the launch date. Nice. And basically the book um, will encapsulate several different um, areas of fatherhood. So it, I, I mean, it really covers everything. So it's going to cover um, the, the premise and the problem that men face today, which to be quite honest, a lot of it is distraction. It's busyness. It's the perception of if, if I need help along the way of this fatherhood journey and marriage journey, I'm too weak. And basically what I, what, what I call it in the book is the drift. It's that wash, rinse, repeat cycle that men are on, right? And that's not to insult men. It's just we just don't know, quite frankly, any different. I mean, speak from a guy who, who's been in it. There's an entire section on how to create an extraordinary marriage. There's an entire section on uh, being more calm and patient with your kids, um, as well as uh, how to raise boys, how to raise girls with confidence. So how to raise strong, young, young men, how to raise strong, young, confident, young women. And then there's an entire section on leadership as a father. So I really put like literally my heart and soul into this book. And to be quite honest, it was the easiest thing I've ever written because I had so much of the information basically in our content and my mind, the things that I've been using over the past seven or eight years, the things that have worked, the things that haven't worked and just bottled it up in this book. And the whole point of the book and the goal of the book is like literally a guy can take this book off the shelf, open up the table of contents and be like, that's exactly what I need right now is that chapter. And he'll be able to open it up, read it, get real, get a story, get real strategy and a takeaway that he can implement right away. I'm looking forward to that. That's one for the shelf. Yep. 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 For sure. So, um, before we wrap up here and again, we just appreciate your time so much. Um, tell everybody where they can find you because since I butchered your name so badly at the front end, so maybe (laughs) we want people to actually find where you are on social media and whatnot. No, I actually expect it like all the time. Like I just, (laughs) I just Maybe that's why it happened, Larry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was putting the karma out there. Uh, the easiest thing to do is, I mean, like, listen, if you go to Google and just type in the dad edge, you'll find everything that we're doing. So I, I don't make it confusing. I used to, like when we were Good Dad Project and we were making the switch, like, it's like, oh, we're gooddadproject.com and dad edge over here and good dad over here and dad edge. And so everything is the dad edge. So the dad edge.com, the dad edge.com. You can find everything there, our podcast, our resources. You mentioned there, I've got, I actually have two different free resources for marriage. One is one is an email series called 21 Days to an Extraordinary Marriage. The other one is 25 Intimate Conversation Starters. That one has been insanely popular. It's basically a video uh, tutorial. Uh, it's not long, but it teaches you the psychology of why the questions you're probably asking your wife on a daily basis aren't creating any depth or intimacy. And then I give you the psychological reasons why generative questions do that. And then I give you a list of 25 that you can then go use in a PDF. Um, we've got information on the Alliance, which if you're interested in taking your journey a step forward into our brotherhood, we've got it, all that there on IG and all social handles. Everything is the dad edge. If you want to connect with me personally on, on Facebook, I never shy away from that. You can find me at Larry Hagler. I'm kidding. Larry Hagler. Uh, <laughs> well, well played. played. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it big time. And, you know, something that we like to do while we're recording so we can save this and remind you in case you ever change your mind is we do have uh, live events that we host every couple of months called High Carbon Experiences. Oh, sweet. Uh, and it is a full on 15 hour day of like break them down, build them back up, uh, just uh, transformational type of day. 
typically we have, you know, two to three guest speakers come into that. And we would absolutely love to have you come in because we know how much of an impact you would have. It's an intimate setting. It's usually only like 20, 25 guys. Oh, dude. Um, so I would be honored. I would be honored. I, I would love that if you have me. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I will be saving this and sending it to you when we have that date for the next one. <laughs> like, Larry, you said you would be honored to come in. So I'm, I'm in, man. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, you guys enjoy your trip. We thank you so much for being on here with us. We appreciate your patience with my uh, vernacular vocabulary, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, for everybody else, you've been a part of the movement. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks, Larry. Appreciate thanks, it. It was guys. it was a pleasure meeting you. Hey, thanks for thanks for sharing that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that that's that's super impactful, and uh, and and those those stories uh, really connect with people. Um, and 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 you know, I commend you for what you're doing because it would have been really easy for you to be a victim um, and say, "Oh, I am the way I am because of you know external circumstances and stuff." But you taking control of your life creates a really good example that we can point to, um, and I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. And I can tell you from just humble experience, I played that card for way too long. Yeah. Right. But Hey, that's how we learn. So that's right. Keep me up to date on your, on your, uh, your event, man. I would, the, obviously the small intimate event that you guys have, I would be, I I would love that. I love doing that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. We've got one, um, coming up June 25th, which is already set with everybody. So the next one would be like around late August, early September, probably. Perfect. So yeah, we'll definitely hit you up. Okay. Promise. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, Y'all travel safe. Thanks, Larry. Bye-bye. See you.